When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Mark's Podcast. I am your first host. I am former radio man, lifelong wrestling enthusiast, and also longtime figure collector Troy Adams. And with me, as always, is your other host. He is our WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia and the Tito Santana to my Rick Martel. Arriba! It's Greg. What's up, Greg? What's up? You're Tito for obvious reasons. I'm also a Mark. You didn't have for to Rick say Martel. Arriba. You ruined the bit, but whatever. Oh, come on. Well, yeah, I should have let you say Arriba. That would have been better. Idiot. <laughs> Stupid idiot. You ruined the joke. Did you ever like Rick Martel? Like, like him? Uh, not really. I think every time I was watching wrestling, he was a heel. He was a heel. Came out of a box. He was over. He was a heel. Uh, but no, he, uh, I don't know, man. When I was growing up, I didn't really care about him. But, like, looking back, I, I've done that with a few guys, actually. Looking back, I've become a fan of Rick Martel. And I wish he would have, I don't know, done more. But he's one of those guys, Bruce Pritchard always say, oh, he didn't need the title. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I don't know if he, it would have worked as the model, <laughs> as him, you know, uh, leading a division. But he was good. I don't know. I always, looking back, I enjoy his matches. I don't know about you. I do, yeah. We'll get into that, too. Yeah. And the reason, it's this isn't just, like, random banter about Rick the Model Martel. This is, like, we're actually talking about him today, people. So that's why I bring him up. Tito Santana is another one I was a, I was kind of a fan of looking back. As a kid, I liked him because it's like, oh, he's a he's a happy, jumping baby face, whatever. But as an adult, I'm like, he was a good worker. <laughs> happy, jumping baby face. Yeah, I mean, all I, most of those guys, <laughs> he jumped around a lot and pumped his fist. He's like, yeah, get into my matches. And people are like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, so something, something usually the local jobber does. <laughs> yeah, but hey, 
He had a catchphrase, though, Greg. He was cooler. But we are talking about uh, Saturday night's main event. It was, I kept building it up. It was literally a, uh, a year before the day of my birth in 1989 on September 21st. Turns out that was the day it was filmed. If you actually, because I was looking around for it on the WWE Network to watch it. And I couldn't find it. I was like, wait a minute, it goes right to October. It's, I think it's like July, October. I'm like, where the hell is the September show? Well, come to find out, it aired in October. It was filmed like a whole month before it even aired, which I find a little odd, like filmed that far ahead. But I mean, whatever. It, it was in Cincinnati, which I, you know, I I lived in Cincinnati for a while. So there was a lot of reasons why I wanted to do the show. Oh, that's why you're oh, a Bengals fan. Eat me. Overall, Ouch. overall, there's not a there wasn't like a huge reason besides it was in my home state and it was filmed on what would be my birthday that I really wanted to do this show. Watching it, you and I were both kind of like, eh. Well, don't spoil the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is some stuff to get into for sure, but what I'm most excited about on this episode is to get into the news from the time at hand. We'll return after these messages. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Now, back to our program. If you're with me on this one, let's dive right into to, uh, the news and notes from the time, Greg. I'm excited to talk to you about some of this stuff, because... <sighs> Roll Tide! Uh, let's not do that, but let's talk about the news and notes. Right. I got them both hands, so I'm done for the day. All right, cool. <laughs> the original December 17th date for Starcade doesn't appear workable right now due to competition from NFL games and being too close to No Holds Barred, the match, the movie. Wait, what? Start it again? Uh, Starcade. Oh. It was the date was going to be December seventeenth originally, but the new date appears to be December thirteenth. Uh, if they can find a site for the show, it ended up being just on that date somewhere in Virginia or Atlanta or just Baltimore, you know, the usual places. Well, uh, about that, uh, you know, they, they they it ended up being on the December thirteenth date, as as I just mentioned, and. It says here at the time they were trying to avoid the South altogether because they don't want people to think that the promotion is just a bunch of Southern hicks. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and uh, guess where the show ended up being, Greg? Atlanta, Omni. Yes. <laughs> I really didn't remember off the top of my head. I just like I was a. I feel like it was a really safe guess. <laughs> yep, Starcade '89 was from the Omni in Atlanta. It was it was Future Shock for all of you that don't remember the show and i don't remember the show off the top of my head i just know it was future shock and sting was on the the tape cover so what's a tape throw vhs in your google machine and uh, check that out terry funk is really beat up suffering a staff infection in his elbow now so dick well, how's, slater's how's his what? horse how's his horse 
God dang it, my horse is sick. I gotta go home, Vinny. <laughs> and Bruce Pritchard, your mother's a whore. <laughs> so Dick Slater is taking his place in the death matches with Ric Flair. Oh, joy. Uh, Sting... Uh... <laughs> Sting is out with an ankle injury that will need surgery, and Brian Pillman was coughing up blood from one of his numerous throat surgeries that might... Uh, so he might need another one. Yeah, that's, this was a bad time. That's like two of my favorites right there. No shit. Boom, gone. Yeah, I know. I just uh, got to bring in Dirty Dick Slater to replace him, though. Brian Pillman, for those of you that don't know, had this thing. I, I don't know what the medical condition is, but he would get like polyps or stuff on his in his throat, on his vocal cords, that he would have to constantly get them surgically removed. Eric Young actually has the same issue, which is why both of them have raspy voices. And... uh Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this where Sting messed himself up by being pulled off the cage? I think so. Yeah. So I think he, even though he's on the cover for the for the uh, like the posters or whatever, I think he missed Starcade, if I remember correctly. That's a and, theme in wrestling. Yeah. Hey. Well. Well. Remember that one where Triple H was on? What was the one where Triple H was on the cover of the like on the posters? Uh, and vengeance. Yeah. They were gonna do like his big return and decided, nah, we'll wait. I think they made the right choice, but. Could just be me. Uncle Dave watched Clash of the Champions 8 on September 12th, and he thinks that the talk of turning around the promotion is a bit premature, but it was still a heck of a show. The show was headlined by Ric Flair and Sting, defeating Dick Slater and the Great Muda in just over 19 minutes via disqualification, because remember, this is still NWA. This was the show where Terry Funk ran out and tried to smother Ric Flair with a plastic bag. <laughs> yeah, dude, you gotta give at least six stars for attempted murder on TV. Yeah, this was just like, keep in mind, this was 1989. This wouldn't play well in 2020. It didn't play well in 89. Dude, nothing play well now. Yeah, that is true. But let's just say Turner got some uh, some hate calls during this time and some tersely worded letters. Purple Crayon? Probably, with backwards R's and all that. Oh, man, I heard the R. <laughs> Paul E. Dangerously was officially fired from the NWA after this clash, stemming from backstage issues with Ric Flair and ongoing personality conflicts with the Samoan SWAT team. It's hard to believe, because he praises them to this day. Yeah, I don't get that one. That, uh, I, I do know, like, Jim Cornette told the story about how he, he was like, well, I just happened to be walking down the hall when he, when Ric Flair fired Paul E. And it was, I, basically, like, Paul was following Ric down the hall, like, arguing with him about something, and Ric turned around and was like, you're fired, get out! And then like, he turns around, like, goes in the locker room, closes the door, and Paul's just standing there, like, dumbstruck. And then he, like, cuts a promo on the door with nobody there to listen. <laughs> wow, that, uh, sounds, that sounds nuts. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, Paul E. sued the NWA over this firing, and he won. So, go figure, right? Paul Heyman winning a lawsuit. Well, gosh. Like he's always said, he says he's got a Jewish father for, uh, Jewish lawyer as a father, so. Yep, that's hey, that's what kept ECW afloat for so many years. And I'm not even joking. I thought he like publicizes that too, by the way. Yeah. I have like, a Jewish father who's a lawyer. And he's really good. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, yeah. Ricky Steamboat is planning to sue the NWA for using his likeness in Halloween Havoc advertising, even though he's not even there. Oh man. By the way, this is gonna come up again later in the show or later in this news of hey, Ricky Steamboat might be here. And he doesn't even work for the company. <laughs> so why is that just a thing during this time? Like freaking Steamboat. Man. I just, you know, oh man, you need, you need to on your show. Call Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, no, you wouldn't call Ricky. You'd call Bonnie and then Bonnie would get Ricky for you. Oh, my mistake. Yeah. That's, 
That's honestly why Eric Bischoff said he quit doing business with Ricky because he couldn't stand his his crazy ex wife. I heard you say the word ex, and then I was like, "Yep, okay." Wow. Uh, here's where we break from WCW or NWA, whatever, and the WWE. Here's some uh, some uh, stuff from the independents where they're still holding on a little bit, or the the territories, I should say. This is what I wanted to talk to you about because some of this is effing hilarious. Stampede is still in discussion with ESPN about taking over the AWA's time slot, as ESPN is quite unhappy with a rapid decline of Vern's product. I, I mean, cool, but at the same time, I mean, was Stampede Wrestling doing gangbusters at this time? I didn't even know it was still a thing at this time, so... Yeah, it held on with Bruce at the helm until uh, mid-90s, I think, but yeah, I don't know. Speaking of the end of the When it was going out of business, what do you think Stu said? Uh, sell to the old man in New York. Uh, he's got he's he's got Brett the Rhino down there. Uh, they can make a go of it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the AWA, they announced the teams for their team challenge tournament. They also built it up by saying that certain wrestlers like Ricky Steamboat might be there. Yeah, there you go. Well, that don't mean on the car. They could meant like in the crowd or something. I mean, yeah. Not... Hey, we sent him an invite. He could be here. He said no because he doesn't care about you fans. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Here we go, man. These next two stories about Vern Gagne, I just... Oh, good lord. <sighs> I, gotta, I, wish I... I gotta prepare myself for this one, because I've heard some stories about him. Yeah. I don't know if they're true or not. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe everything I read, but... Well, this first one's also about Larry Zabisco. So, you know, Larry, Larry's like, oh, Hi, everybody. You know, I faced Bruno once, right? That was, horrible... <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible Larry Zabisco, but it was the best I could conjure up at the time. If he's gonna say that, though, he has to put in, like, some historical facts, like, from, like, like, from history. We sold out Shea Stadium. No, I mean, like, <laughs> in actual, like, human history. Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, I uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, he'll make a reference like World War II. Gosh. He goes all the way far back to, like, the Napoleon War and the Greek times, but... You remember when the Black Sox cheated? I sold out Shea Stadium with Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Norton abruptly quit the AWA and is apparently done with pro wrestling as he went back to his construction job without giving proper notice. How bad is the AWA where you quit to go back to construction? Oh, man. <sighs> Something tells me it's not going to last. Well, he had been doing it. Was this before a... or after he had the cameo in Over the Top with Stallone? I don't know, but something tells me around this time because he was doing a gimmick where he issued open arm wrestling challenges to all champions in wrestling, like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, etc. You know, because, well, they're not going to show up, you know. But obviously nobody was going to answer this freaking challenge. But he would, you know, name drop him on AWA TV because that's what they did at the time. So they should have got they should have got Bull Harley to answer it. Who? Uh, it's a reference from the movie. Oh, good. One Lord. of our listeners, one of our listeners will get it and appreciate it. So, <laughs> my God. So to really make him look stupid after the fact, Vern taped the segment for AWA TV where there's a Bisco actually does answer his challenge. But of course, Norton is gone and no shows, making him look like a coward. That is so pathetic. He, yep. Well. Save that critique, Greg, because this next story. <laughs> wow, that can't be good. There's no way in hell that's good. No, it is the opposite <laughs> of good. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> Vern Gagne did an interview with Wade Keller around this time, Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling Torch, and he pointed out that Bruiser Brody, quote, probably got what he deserved. Whoo! Wow. Um, I just, I don't want to touch that. I feel a little less sorry for Vern losing his house now <laughs> oh man this is that's br- like oh, how why how and I, why 
I, I don't care what you think of anybody. I never think death is something you deserve. That's um kind of stiff, man. A little stiffsky. You must. I just. I feel like he never got over losing the NWA. No. Well, I mean, I know he, this was like during it, but like, you know. Well, him he and missed, Greg missed mine. So. Yeah. Well, and Greg got bitter because. Well, Dad was going to hand down the AWA to me, and I was supposed to be the top guy, and blah blah blah, and and, and he sucked. So, nepotism ain't that great. No, uh, it's sli- something slightly less depressing from the territories in PNW in Portland. Oh God, I never mind. This is still pretty depressing. I remember the story in PNW in Portland. I think it's Portland National Wrestling or some. I can't remember what the NW NW stood for, but anyway, Art uh, Bar probably Northwest. Yeah, Pacific Northwest. You you are correct. You are correct, sir. Uh, Art oh, you, gotta did... like, you gotta do it like Chris Farley and, and Billy Madison. That is correct. There it is. All right. But Art Bar did an injury angle with Brian Adams where he had his neck broken from a full Nelson to explain his sudden departure after a rape arraignment. However, he suddenly returned with no explanation or mention of the injury and it's business as usual. Wow. Uh, I was told by uh, my dearly departed friend Santiago, because Art Bar was a big thing in Mexico with Eddie Guerrero. He was a love machine, and they teamed together wearing, like, uh, American flag colors, whatever they were, like, Los, Los Gringos Locos or whatever. Well, Santiago told me one of the main reasons Art Bar had such a long stint in Mexico was to uh, get away from the heat in America from, uh, you know, rape allegations. Um... <laughs> Don't so what do they? Does he think they take rape lightly down Mexico? No, nah, but it's like you skip the country. I mean, back in '89, you could kind of get away with that. Nowadays, probably not so much. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably not so much nowadays. WWF is still thinking of Hogan versus Zeus for the No Holds Barred show in December. Although Zeus's future is decidedly up in the air, so that probably won't <laughs> happen as originally planned. Oh no! Uh, spoiler: It does. <laughs> well, kinda. Isn't it a tag match? Play happens. Yeah, but they're talking like the one-on-one match. So, yeah, I don't know. Think they wasn't they, that so, original plan for WrestleMania for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people claimed, "Oh, they're going to do it at WrestleMania." It's like I would have like what idiot thought they were building that up for Mania? God dang it, pal! Get in tiny lister. That'll put some butts in seats. This is before he's even known for Friday. Yeah, I know, right? It's it couldn't even be like, hey, you know that big dude who played Debo? Get him in here. I bet he could draw a crowd. He's a vascular chocolate man. The storyline is that he stole somebody's bike. (laughs) For those of you that watch the movie, you get the reference. (laughs) The main event for Survivor Series appears to be Hogan, Demolition, and Jake Roberts versus DiBiase, Zeus, and the Powers of Pain. It's one of the most random main events ever, although they are dropping to eight-man matches because the roster is pretty thin right now. Up until then, wasn't it five-man? Well, how many Survivor Series had they even had at this point? 89 was the third one. Okay, so the first two were, what, five-man matches? The first one, there was a couple where it was like 12 on 12, I think. Yeah, the those epic was, tag matches. The next one was four on four and five on five. Four on four, I think. No, yeah, five. Okay. Yeah, because this they said this was the first one with the four on four matches, so I, yeah. I was just assuming. And that would stick for just two years. Yeah. Big Man Steel is indeed coming to the WWF as, quote, Tugboat Tyler in a babyface role. He was later renamed Tugboat Thomas because plans changed, pal. He replaced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just been. I was thinking about, like, he's been saddled with so much garbage. 
Oh, man. And it's, it's okay. It's okay, Greg. Give him a few years. He'll be the Shockmaster, and all will be right with the world. Oh, don't so. forget about the pit stop at Typhoon. Hey, I think Typhoon was his best role. That's the only like, one he held a title, so, I mean, yeah, by default. I, I liked the natural disasters, and I own a, I own a Mattel figure of uh, of him as uh, Tugboat. I do, Or, no, I'm sorry, as a Typhoon. I do not own a Tugboat figure. I don't uh, they ever made one. Well, I mean, yeah. I thought they did. There is a prototype of an old Hasbro that uh, Matt Cardona has, but True. they decided to turn it into. Um, well, no, they didn't turn it into anything. Instead, they just made Typhoon by just changing Earthquake's look on the toy. <laughs> so, wow! So they scrapped well, the whole tugboat. Well, tugboat is reportedly not getting over at all in his dark matches. Although Uncle Dave thinks that it might be a combination of the fact that he hasn't been on TV yet, the fact that he goes toot toot during his matches, and that his work sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he went too toot. I think he like put his arm in the air and went, <laughs> <laughs> just who was sending him it reports might, saying might, that he goes toot toot. It might be worse actually what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now he sounds like Bobby from the water boy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he, Captain Insano. Good hey, Lord. that that would have been a great gimmick for him, Captain Insano. Uh Rick Martell like now, every wrestling cliche ever. Hell yeah. Rick Martell is now the male model. So there's that. Right after this Saturday night's main event taping, Tully Blanchard and Arne Anderson give notice to the WWF after the TV tapings as they intend to return to the NWA after Survivor Series. Also, the Rougeaus give uh, official notice around the same time. They really want to time off so Tully can go do more coke. Oh my gosh. What the hell? Well, the, you know, the NWA chose not to bring Tully in originally. What they should have done, wait a little while for the heat to die off, bring him in, have him give Arnators in a glove. <laughs> Come on. You already get their gloves, man. And then when when uh, the first thing Tully says, he, he walks on camera, and they're like, oh, my God, it's Tully Blanchard. He's here. And he walks up to Arn, he grabs the mic, and he goes, you're looking thick. <laughs> uh, that was my favorite Jake-ism ever. That's uh, a but, man thing, isn't it? Uh, you're vascular and thick. Different kind of thick. <laughs> well, this, I don't know, man. L- losing the, the Brain Busters, that was a big thing. But, man, you lose the Rougeaus. My God, what are, what are you going to do? They're all American boys. Damn it. Yeah, you got to rebook the whole territory now. You built the, 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 the WWF around them. WrestleMania is ruined. Damn it. I don't know. No. Maybe not. I don't, I don't <laughs> agree with that. <laughs> all right. Uh, last story. This one is a long one, but, my God, just so much to it. You can't. Good lord. The way, when you start like that, you can't go wrong. <laughs> well, no. Lot, lots lots, of good stuff here. Uh, yeah. Ow. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. Dusty Rhodes had to take a leave of absence from the WWF and return to Florida for a trial stemming from an incident in 1983. A wrestler named Steve de Blasio, who wrestled as Big Daddy for Rhodes in Florida, sued for a match where Rhodes apparently forced him to take a bump to the floor over the top rope. De Blasio claimed that it was his first match and no one had taught him how to take the bump before. And furthermore, since he was 450 pounds, he grabbed the top rope on the way down and broke the ring. <laughs> he, cr- he crushed his ankle and he's claiming that Rhodes ruined his life by threatening to blackball him from the business unless he took the bump. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's, that's just part one of this story, people. So buckle it's in. to be why he took so long to debut after all those skits. Probably, yeah. yeah. This was '89, so yeah. Well, he is here on the show that we're about to talk about, but we'll get into that. I mean, he's not wrestling, but he's here. The trial was notable because 
Dusty was forced to testify under oath that wrestling is 100% fixed, and the scars on his forehead were from blading. That was a big thing, because Dusty was one of those old-school guys who was like, nah, baby, wrestling's real, daddy. I won all them championships. <laughs> uh, de Blasio later testified under oath that when Dusty threatened to blackball him for not doing the move, what he meant to say was that he was just paraphrasing and just kind of assumed that was what Dusty meant by whatever his actual words were. Also, Dusty's actual instructions for Big Daddy versus the Masked Professional match were that he wanted an over-the-top DD, uh, DQ, and he didn't care who the hell went over the top, so de Blasio volunteered. De Blasio technically won a judgment against Dusty Rhodes and Les Thornton, who was the Masked Professional, of $317,000 in damages for a designed unsafe script. But it's all rather meaningless, because Thornton is literally MIA somewhere in Canada, and no one has seen him in years. Plus, the company that Dusty was acting on behalf of, Championship Wrestling from Florida, ceased to exist in 1987. Wow. Yeah, so he won, but did he? I guess he can win on principle. It's still a thing. And how did he win? He volunteered to take the bump, knowing that he didn't know how to do it. And then he broke the ring and hurt himself. Because wrestling's the right stepchild. That's what Chris Sherrick has always said. Yeah, just, just, it was such stupidity of epic proportions. I don't even know where to go with that. It was, it was dumb, Greg. Because juries, that's why. God dang it, pal. Hate the court system. That's why I Uh, beat it. Beat it like a redheaded stepchild. (laughs) All right. Got two references in there. Wow. (laughs) Where is this guy now, by the way? The fat guy? I I don't know. (laughs) He, he was going forever, bro. Beat Dusty Rhodes in court. Retired undefeated, bro. <laughs> baby, you may have beaten me in court, baby, but you ain't never going to beat the dream of the ring, daddy. I'm going to book myself to beat your ass. Wait, dad, you can do that, said Cody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, oh, you suck. All right. Well, that's it for the news and notes, man. Now getting into the event at hand. You ready to dive headfirst into this Saturday night's main event? Headfirst? No, I'm wearing gear. <laughs> oh, so we're diving into it. So we're breaching, huh? Going in ass first. Oh, man. Wow. We'll return after these messages. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Now, back to our program. It's Saturday night's main event 23. It took place at the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. The film date, as I mentioned, was September 21st, 1989, but the air date was October 14th, 1989. The attendance was That's 14. a big thing to you. What? You mentioned it twice now. <laughs> Just to clarify, because it confused the hell out of Nobody me when I was cares when it was recorded. 
I cared because that's the only date that I saw when I first was looking for it. And I was like, oh, it was on it, but I was wrong. So I was kind of right, but I was kind of wrong. The attendance was 14,000 for a sellout. I didn't know that. I don't think think these people knew what they were showing up for, though, to be fair. (laughs) Well, it was Cincinnati. So, I mean, what else did they have to watch in 1989? Uh, At the time, I think the Bengals were really hot at the end of the year this year. So there was a lot of other stuff to watch. (laughs) Yeah, but this was, uh, yeah, this was right in the middle of football season, I guess. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe tickets were a hot thing in Cincinnati at the time, because right now you can't give tickets away. But it kind of confused. I did not know that a stadium in Cincinnati ever held 14,000 people. Because right now, I think you can get maybe 10,000 in the current arena there. The but Nutter the Butter? Ra- <laughs> the Nutter Butter? <laughs> the Nutter Center is in Dayton. The current stadium, I don't know what the hell it's called in Cincinnati. It was the U.S. Bank, but they uh, they've Drop their sponsorship. What plays so. there? What does? What goes there? A minor league hockey team. Yes, that's that's literally it. Concerts, uh, wrestling shows, minor league hockey team. If you want to call this a wrestling show, wow. The rating for the show was a whopping nine point five. I think Vince McMahon would literally die from a heart attack if Raw got a nine point five, or SmackDown for that matter. Well, when all their quarterly profits turn all the current. Quarterly meetings turn into profits. I think they're fine. So, yeah. Uh, Roddy Brandy Piper starts. Nothing. Roddy Piper starts off by doing a promo in front of his logo. Everybody's doing a promo in front of logos. By the way, it was that that's old. The, that's the classic Saturday Night Even opening. That was my first note. I'm like, oh, I miss this opening. Yeah. Well, what I can't remember what they call it. It wasn't green screen back then. It was probably um, blue. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called back then, but it was. It wasn't side texting or something else. It might that, that actually might have been it. Side texting. I don't know. But it looked kind of like so, certain people it looked okay, but for some reason on other people it looked kind of weird. Like did you, you can see that? it you can see it crackling, yeah. Yeah. But uh Piper does his uh, his promo in front of his logo calling Bobby Heenan Oopsie Heenan and saying Oopsie. that Yeah. And saying that he was going to have Heenan crying like Zsa Zsa Gabor in court, although she's probably smarter. This was a very dated reference that I don't understand. <laughs> I'm assuming that was one of her million divorces. Oh, good lord. Uh, Macho King and Queen Sherry then do their promo in front of a logo, doing dual oh yeah taunts. The Bushwhackers, unfortunately, are next, saying, Tell your mother that the Bushwhackers are on nation- or nationwide TV. And then they both keep air-humping each other. Air-humping? What the hell I, were you watching? That's what it looked like they were doing, air-humps. I just... I absolutely effing hate the Bushwhackers. I'm putting that out there right now. I don't like them as kids. I don't like them as adults. You don't like them as kids? How old are you? I I didn't like them when I was a kid. <laughs> don't God dang it, pal. You know what I meant? Do I? I don't know. Either way, I don't like the Bushwhackers. Just putting that out there. I, I like them even less now knowing that they don't wash their hands after they poop. That bit of info... That bit of info comes from Greg, by the okay. way. Only one of them, to be fair. Okay? <laughs> yes. The one without the crushes. Yes. I I don't know which is which. I think that's Butch. Okay, well, or no, whichever I don't know, whatever one, yeah, whichever one doesn't have the wall eyes and doesn't walk with crutches. The one that wasn't crying about the Royal Rumble payoff for thirty seconds at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, yeah, he he went in, did his business, dropped trow and all that, stood up, left left the bathroom, no washing hands, and then he went out to shake hands at a meet and greet. So yuck. 
Okay, but to be fair, how many people are really lining up to meet him? I, hey, hey it wasn't my day to watch him, Greg. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to their line. I, I honestly hope not that many people were like, oh my god, the Bushwhackers. But I don't know. Ted DiBiase and Zeus are next, standing in front of Ted's logo. Ted's, uh, Ted says that Zeus is his, quote, million-dollar insurance policy. Zeus just shouts and pounds his chest like he always freaking does. That Hogan was his best thing, dude. Yeah. That's, that was his only thing. Well, there you Hulk, go. Like That's like his Kevin Nash hair flipping. God. Hulk Hogan closes it all out by uh, saying that Ted DiBiase has millions of dollars, uh, but Hogan has millions of Hulksters. He keeps calling DiBiase the multi-million dollar man. I I was like, when was that a thing? That If you go back and listen to all his promos, that's just what he does. Uh, I don't, I, I never got it. I'm like, you know, that's not his name, right? I, didn't, he, didn't he make a bank reference too that he, uh, he was going to cancel the check or something? Or? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was this promo or is one of his other 5,000 promos that he cut on the show. Um, Hulk must promo, pal. Yeah, right. But either way, he says that DiBiase's money can't buy him the World Wrestling Federation Championship, brother. And then I hit. Yeah, already said, has. <laughs> right. I will say this: I couldn't help but smile when the Saturday Night Main Event theme hits. Maybe because of nostalgia. Maybe because it's the theme song for our show. I don't know. I love that theme. Vince McMahon. That was a fun just, Saturday night when I was a kid. Hell yeah, I bet it was. Uh, Jesse, Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura are on commentary. Ventura is wearing a flamingo T-shirt and a Cleopatra headdress because of freaking course he is. <sighs> they send us to footage of the Macho Man's coronation, led by the genius, because of course it is. Uh, I, don't why. I don't get why. I don't know. Get the correlation. Yeah, right. Uh, he's leaping. There's another interview now for the Macho King and Queen Sherry, conducted in the back by Jesse Ventura, who's really earning his money tonight. <sighs> they... Ah, man. My first note for this show was like. Good lord, how much is he being paid to like kiss up to the Macho Man? I, I know, like, right? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna keep it clean, but man, I felt like he wanted to do naughty things with him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's in a three way, it's okay. So there you go. Uh, they really eyes on each other at all times. <laughs> and high fives, high fives all around. <laughs> they really play up the whole king gimmick with Macho King, saying that he tonight he will lower himself to soil his hands on a commoner like Jimmy Snuka. Ventura kisses. Savage's royal ass through this whole interview, like we just said. And then Macho King and Queen Sherry are carried out to the ring uh, on side-by-side thrones before we go to the back with Mean Gene Okerlund, who also earned his money here tonight, talking to Jimmy Snuka. Snuka says that there's no, <laughs> says there is no king or queen over Superfly. He says that he's his own man, a free man, and then he makes some weird noises and walks off. I didn't realize until now before getting to the obvious joke at hand here. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing of his until later on, where at the end of every interview, he's like, hoo, hoo. Yeah, right. Uh, that was uh, odd. And then Ventura makes references throughout the whole match to, <laughs> he's like a monkey or an animal, and he's being a cage. Okay, so so one of my first notes, too, they they call, that, and they called him, a, he said he was one branch shy of being a carnivore on the family tree or something like that. I can't, yeah, being a cannibal. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think that joke aged very well. <laughs> nope. Ah, yeah. It's, uh, it was something, man. Another thing that doesn't age very well is where he says, I'm a free man. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just going to direct everybody to his episode of Dark Side of the Ring. That's all I'm going to say. And I think we talked about that trial in a previous episode. I don't remember which one, but 
It, well, it was. It might have been uh, SummerSlam 2015 because that's when his trial was going on. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I think it was. Yeah, go back because in the archives. That was murder. That was the murder, rape, and, and racism news episode. Yeah. Yes, uh, race <laughs> and porn. Don't forget porn. <laughs> Okay, you can never Lest forget I that. forget porn. <laughs> this match was the Macho King Randy Savage with Queen Sherry taking on Jimmy Superfly Snuka. The match went for five minutes, 37 seconds. And uh, I said, I've never seen Macho wear those purple and gold trunks before. Was that like a short lived thing? Uh, probably. I, just, I, know, I didn't realize so. Yeah, because he went from the trunks to the uh, like the tights when he was the Macho King. So I, I don't remember him dressing like that, but it was pretty cool. They actually, uh, Sherry gets involved over and over, not shockingly. The crowd seems unnaturally loud, but maybe it was, I mean, it was 14,000 people, so maybe it was. I say unnaturally loud because, for two reasons. One, Bruce Pritchard admitted that they sweetened the crowd for these Saturday night main event shows. And also because I've been to wrestling shows in Cincinnati, and they're the most boring crowds I've ever watched wrestling in front of. I don't know why it just like I've seriously like I've taken my wife to like these shows and she's like, this crowd is boring. I'm like, I know. Like they just kind of sit on their hands through the whole show. I'm like, why did you buy a ticket when you're doing the same thing you could be doing in your living room to be there? I guess. Well, if I'm there, I'm going to get into the show. I don't care if it's a bad show. I'm still going to get into it. Hell, you and I tried to get into 205 live. The best part was that guy falling asleep and everyone writing him about it. Oh, yeah, that was that was great. When the best part of the show is some dude falling asleep in the crowd, you've got issues. <laughs> and they all cheered like hell when he woke up. Hell, yeah, they did. And they booed when he left because he was going to the bathroom and he came back and he got like the biggest pop of the night. <laughs> yeah, didn't they chant something at him? Like, he chanted something at him about him like washing his hands back. or something. Oh, yeah, maybe that. In the end, Sherry slips her purse to Macho Man and he nails Snooka in the kidneys with it and then rolls him up while holding the tights for the win. Uncle Dave says that Savage does his usual stellar job of carrying dead weight like the Superfly to something decent. Ouch. Both me and Dave gave this two and a half stars for Average. What say you? I said two. Yeah, nothing special about this match. What do you what do you make of the dead weight Superfly comment? <sighs> I just, once again, Dave showing that he's never wrestled, and he would know, I guess, but... Uh, so, so did you think Superfly still had some gas in the tank at this time? It, it was a fun match, I thought. I didn't see anything deadweight about him at all, but... Yeah, I, it's not yeah, like... That's, that's superficial jackass over there thinking he knows everything. Damn. Well, <laughs> make sure you tell him that next time you pee next to him. <laughs> I'm gonna, next time I'm gonna pee on him. <laughs> For those of you that don't know the story, Greg peed next to Uncle Dave at a Sharks game in San, San Jose. And it makes me ashamed. He's a Sharks fan. He I, apparently he just lives in San Jose, like the city proper. So I, I don't know what San Jose's like. Is that a good area? Uh, it's got a couple of nice parts, but overall, no. No. Well, that would explain why Uncle Dave lives there. But <laughs> either way, so that's uh, <clears throat> that's that. And yeah, I don't agree with that. Yeah, like I didn't think Snuka sucked here at all. Like it's no. I thought this was a really fun match. I just. I get the criticism of, like, if you go back and listen to our bonus show from last month where Jacob Grandi and I reviewed the very first SummerSlam from 1988, he had some pretty harsh things to say about Junkyard Dog in 88 being dead weight and, you know, having to be carried and still sucking up the match. Uh, oh, man, I, not to get off topic, of but I, I just heard, a, I was listening to Cornette's uh, review of Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Yeah. And they said Keith Lee's usually amazing, but in this match, he looked like Junkyard Dog 1987. 
So is that like a Ooh. thing? Like 87, 88, he sucked or what? I'm... And 89. You and I watched some shows from this year, 1989, yeah. in, in NWA, where it just... Uh, I guess he just took a hit. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen his stuff in Mid-South in all Right. So I just assumed this was the Junkyard Dog, but I guess he took a huge nosedive when he left. Yeah, Jim Cornette always, not for him, it, it kind of works for Junkyard Dog in a way, too, where he said uh, Ernie Ladd always used to have a thing where he would tell King Kong Bundy where he would say, Bundy, you're stealing money, Bundy. Every time you cash a check, you're stealing money. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but after the match, Macho hits a running knee to the kidneys of Snooka, body slams him, and then misses the flying elbow drop, which... I was shocked about. And Snooka then body slams Macho, goes up, and before he can attempt the Superfly sl- uh, Splash, Sherry gets in front of the Macho King. McMahon on commentary is yelling at Snooka, telling him, jump on him, Bolt! God dang it, Snooka, jump on him! Think of the ratings! I was just like, is he seriously, like, promoting, hey, Snooka, take out that woman? <laughs> like, damn, dude! But instead, when Macho stands up, Snooka just jumps over Sherry and then knocks Macho King to the outside. Uh, that was that. Very anticlimactic, too. But. I know. Nobody got to do their top rope move. I think Cincinnati was a little uh, let down, but whatever. Footage is shown from the May 27th episode of Saturday Night's main event where Zeus attacked Hulk Hogan outside of a steel cage. What was that match, Greg? Uh, that, was, that was Boss Man and Hogan in the cage. I think that was the blow-off ah. that feud. Okay, that was the one where he took that big, big ass bump off the cage, right? The superplex. I think so. Nice. Okay. I, think I remember watching that. that when uh, Zeus debuted. I think it was five. I'm pretty sure I was like terrified of Zeus. Who wouldn't be? I mean, he. I will say this: for all the criticism we give him, he looks intimidating. Yeah. So and and he wears red colors, so I like him already. Well, that makes me hate him even more. Thanks, Greg. You just were they still the Oakland Raiders at this time, or were they in LA? No, they're still in LA. Okay, well, there you go. But yeah, so that happened outside of the steel cage, and then they show footage after that from the July 29th episode of Saturday Night Main Event, where Hogan uses a chair to break Zeus's bear hug from Brutus on Brutus Beefcake. On who? No, Brutus, Brutus the effing barber beefcake. I'm trying not to wholesale steel gimmicks here. That one is fair. He wants everyone to say that. He's, that he said that, that himself. He signs autographs nowadays as Brutus the F and Barber. Yeah. So, happily. I mean, I think any autograph he's able to sign is happy at this point, but that's besides the point. Zeus no-sells the chair shot to the back, by the way. They then flip to SummerSlam, where Zeus bear-hugged the crap out of Hulk Hogan, and that's literally the only a, footage they show. I see a theme here. Yeah. I will say this, building up the match, the movie, and Survivor Series and all that, they used mostly Saturday Night's main event and SummerSlam, which is their second biggest event of the year. So kudos to them for marketing this in the right spots. However, it's still effing Zeus. I just, I think that the mentality was that he doesn't have to be good. Like, yeah, just look at him. He'll sell tickets just being on an 8x5 or 8x10, whatever. 8x10, you know what I mean. God dang it, pal. That's a really lengthy photo. (laughs) How do measurements work? God dang it. But uh, I don't know why I keep flipping back into Vince McMahon, but either way. Well, he is on this show. He is. One, two, three. He got it. Oh, no, he didn't get him. My favorite Vince call ever. I think I heard that two or three. I had that in my notes, too. Yeah. What a maneuver. 
what a maneuver. He said that when somebody got dumped to the outside. Oh, my, what a maneuver. I'm like, what? he just dumped him to the outside. Why? <laughs> when you just said that, you sound like one of those guys calling like a horse race. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh, wait till. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll get to that at the end of the show. But oh, just even sick. <laughs> Jesse Ventura is backstage earning his money again, interviewing Tim DiBiase and Zeus. DiBiase puts over his money and says that he'll basically purchase the world title. Jesse thinks that, uh, or says that he thinks that Hogan will be a, uh, will take a bigger beating than the one Donald Trump gave to Merv Griffin in Atlantic City. Again, another dated reference that I don't I, effing get. I don't get that either. I was like, Merv Griffin, the guy who made like Jeopardy and Will Fortune, right? That's him? I guess. I'm pretty sure that's I, him. I, I don't know uh, how many Merv Griffins there are out there. But, <laughs> so I'm going to say yes. What, what the hell did Donald Trump do to him in Atlantic City? I, I don't I, know, I, but I, how would it be legal? Because that's his casino. Isn't it conflict of interest? I just assume it was a gambling yeah. thing. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. They probably had like some gambling something or other, and he just whooped his ass. I don't know. He beat him in a hair versus hair match in Atlantic City, WrestleMania. Biggest crowd of all time. Can I still do that impression on this show? Not get hate. I just, I'm gonna do it. God dang it, do it, pal. But then we flip to Mean Gene Okerlund in the back with Hulk Hogan. Hogan said that Zeus made the mistake of not taking him out previously, and he should have never let Hogan and the Hulkamaniacs know what his game plan was. I mean, how could you not figure out his game plan? Uh, club you in the back, mare hug, go and pound your chest. I mean, that's that's it, right? Am I missing something? No. Okay. Well, but like go. I said, when I was a kid, that scared the hell out of me. So I was doing something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hogan makes a bunch of financial and Wall Street references, saying that he's the majority stockholder in the WWF. He's invested wisely in the Hulkamaniacs <laughs> and, and in the bank, the big bank teller in the sky. I just this all made me laugh. And he's well, going you know, to. Turn, I mean, you know that that God spits out money. I don't. What are you missing? I guess. And he said that he's going to turn the multi-million-dollar man's pockets inside out and take the multi-million-dollar bills. It's it's million dollar. Just just say million dollar. Like, why does he? He always had to add stuff. Like, look, I didn't notice it as a kid, but looking back, he always had to add weird crap to <laughs> to people's names, like uh, like awful Alfred to Alfred Hayes. I I just I don't know. And and there was other ones too. And yet he I, didn't coin Mean Gene. <laughs> no. Who was the, I, I forget who did that. I believe that was Jesse Ventura. All right. Well, yeah, Jesse Ventura coined it. Hogan made it famous. I, I am going to, you know, say safely. Oh, that's a lot of things that Jesse's done that Hulk made better. Got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, why do you think Jesse and uh, Jesse Ventura and Billy Graham hate Hogan so badly? Well, for Bobby He's, Heenan, they're both jealous because they were never big like Hogan. Well, that is uh, an argument to be made. <laughs> but Hogan also was like, I'm going to take what you did, make it bigger. Although, I mean, the same could be said for what Ric Flair did to Buddy Rogers. And I don't think Rogers hated Ric Flair. Could be wrong, but I don't think he did. But either way, it was clear to me that this match was never going to be about DiBiase getting over. It was strictly about building up Zeus. So here's my note for that. That's funny you say that. I said Zeus versus Hogan is clearly the focus, and then not yeah. to jump ahead, but with Jake Roberts getting involved, there's clearly a sh a feud shift. Yeah, I mean, literally, like this was the big blow off for Davey Hogan, which had been going on for what a year, over a year at this point. I want to say it started on the main event in uh, eighty eight, February eighty eight. Yeah, I didn't I even started before that actually, but that was around the epicenter of it. I feel kind of bad because 
I'm a big Ted DiBiase fan. It's one of those, like, I mean, I was a fan of his as a kid, but I'm an even bigger fan of his looking back. Like, you know, kind of like uh, the Rick Martel thing. I hated him. I'm sure you did, because you were a kid watching him at the time. You were I mean, like, I remember, he's going against Hogan. When I never, I never forgave him for stealing Sapphire from Dusty Rhodes. That's when I, my heart was shattered. Wow. I, I can't. For, before I say anything, are you being serious or are you making a joke right now? No, I was serious. When I was a kid, I I loved Dusty and Sapphire. I, you I, cared about Sapphire? I don't know. As well, a I was kid. Like, it was like five or six. Yeah. I don't know. As a kid, I was like, who's this fat guy wearing polka dots? Why does he have this random woman with him that I just, like, why do I care? And then as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's why I care. Okay. I just, I don't know. As a kid, I was just like, he's a fat guy in polka dots. I, well, I lashed on all the baby faces, to be fair. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was just a cynical kid. I, I don't know. But I just... And as a kid, that was the only Dusty Rhodes I saw. So that's all I knew. I have a Mattel figure of that Dusty Rhodes, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway. This next match, Hulk Hogan versus Ted DiBiase for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. DiBiase has Zeus in his corner. This match went for 8 minutes, 24 seconds. It is the second longest match on the card, which should tell you something here. Uncle Dave says that the WWF is now actively trying to erase Zeus's pinfall loss at SummerSlam from history. So those of you who ordered the show need to purge that result of the main event from your mind, lest Vince does it for you. Oh, I Uncle mean, Dave says that's what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, by the footage that they put together, uh, it's I don't think Zeus lo- took the pinfall at SummerSlam, though. D- yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember SummerSlam '89. I, I feel, just, like, I I feel like Hogan beat Macho Man. Yeah, I don't. I, I dude, I, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I don't remember crap about SummerSlam '89. Well, I remember the match. I'm just tr- I'm blanking on the finish. But yeah, uh, Teddy DiBiase came to the ring with no music during this time. He did this at SummerSlam '88 too. Well, he didn't I, get the music until 1990, dude. So yeah, really? Yeah. See, well, that was another thing because I never really watched much during this era, like tapes and stuff, and going back on the net. Honestly, watching so, this and hearing Snuka come out to this theme was shocking because I didn't know he got that theme that early either. He used to come yeah, out with them, I, so. In my mind, DiBiase debuted with that theme, so I, I don't, I did not know this. Oh was, yeah, go back and watch WrestleMania Four when he wrestles all night. He has no music. Yeah, and that that was the point I was going to make earlier. That makes me a little sad because supposedly. A, the original deal was Macho Man was going to be Intercontinental Champion, and DiBiase was going to win that WrestleMania 4 tournament and be WWF Champion, which, looking back, I think would have been cool. Not crapping on what did happen, because obviously Macho Man did amazing stuff, and you know it was, it was great. Uh, but what started that not happening was Honky Tonk Man refused to lose on Saturday night's main event to, uh, or the main event, I should say, to Macho Man. So they that was scrapped, and instead of DiBiase going over at Mania, Macho went over at Mania, and then the whole Mega Powers exploding thing was set into motion. So I don't know. I, I really wish DiBiase would have got a legitimate run as champion at some point. He did, as a million-dollar champion. World champion. He's the greatest million-dollar champion in history, dude. <laughs> well, I say Teddy Jr. was, but I don't know. <laughs> Come on, the DiBiase posse, man. We're both wrong, that. dude. It was Virgil, so. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Jesse Ventura says that Lloyds of London couldn't have written a better insurance policy than Zeus. Uh, good lord. That that yeah. was a dated reference as well. But it, it, it's funny that, you know, the whole thing with Rick Rude, he couldn't come back because of that. That was the first thing that came in my mind. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Hennig, uh, Jesse Ventura cashed in on that. So he knew firsthand what their insurance policies were like. It's just, yeah, well, Kurt, Kurt Hennig eventually, I think, forfeited it because he wanted to freaking wrestle again, which he should have. But I don't know. For those of you that don't know what Lloyd's of London was, look it up. Too much is, to get into now. Was, is it a thing? I, don't... I was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, basically, they wrote all these insurance policies for wrestlers from Minnesota at the time, I think from the AWA territory. <laughs> and all, it was basically like, if you get hurt so bad you can never wrestle again, we're going to pay you just like un, an ungodly amount of money in this insurance policy. Well, wrestlers being wrestlers, a lot of them said, oh, God, my back, my leg, my, my ass has got a crack in it, you know, whatever. And they, they cashed ass. in on it. <laughs> well, whatever. And at any given time, any wrestler ever can find a doctor to say, my God, you're, you're hurt so bad. You can never wrestle again. So they cashed in on the, the thing. But the, as you alluded to, the, the, the stipulation was you can never wrestle again. And if you do, you forfeit your insurance policy. So and and it was a lot of money. All back. Yes. Yeah. You got to pay all of it back. You forfeit it, all that good stuff. So, and you can never cash in on it again. It's like a once and a one and done deal. So in all honesty, Kurt Hennig should have held out towards the end of his career when he really couldn't uh, go very much anymore. And he would have gotten a godly amount of money, but that's neither here nor there. I guess a workaround that some people used was you can never wrestle one-on-one matches ever again. So a lot of them cashed in and then still worked tag. Which that player interesting stuff. <laughs> Tag match player. But Zeus gets involved every single time Hogan even gets near the ropes. Got a little annoying after a while. One of my favorite parts of this is uh when him and Hogan are choking each other. Do you remember that part? Yes. Well, my favorite part <laughs> though, I really like this, is when Jesse Ventura said, Oh, the referee saw it, but they were choking each other when he saw, so he can't EQ anybody because he's the one who initiated it. I thought that was a right. brilliant, brilliant cover. Yes, and I thought otherwise I was it's like yes, I'm like, why didn't the referee yeah, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, the referee's literally looking right at Zeus choking him. What the hell? And then, even though I still think it was BS, it, it was a great workaround, and it made it make a little bit of sense. And I've never said this before in my life, but thank God for Jesse Ventura, because <laughs> Vince McMahon would have just let it go and been like, well, who, who gives a crap, pal? It's all scripted. God dang it. But anyway, Jake the Snake Roberts ends up coming out and, warn, and uh, warning Zeus and DiBiase with his snake. Not the same one he warned the crowd with at Heroes of Wrestling, but whatever. He didn't do a really weird thing with this snake, though. No, thank God. Uh, Virgil comes out to steal the snake. We get a Virgil sighting. But he comes out to steal the snake, booking it to the back, and Roberts chases him. This distracts Hogan enough for DiBiase to get the upper hand. Zeus gets him, or gets into the ring then, and holds Hogan's arms behind his back. DiBiase goes to clothesline him, but Hogan moves. Oh no, shocker! And DiBiase connects with Zeus. Hogan then rolls Zeus up with a small package for the weirdest win in Hulk Hogan wrestling history. I've never seen that man hit a small package in my life. Especially because he's carrying a thermos, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Second reference in this match to, to somebody's thermos. But Uncle Dave, <laughs> Uncle Dave said that this was a decent match, but Hogan seemed slow and lethargic. He gave it two stars, I gave it two and a half. What say you? I I hated the whole thing. I, I gave it one. I just... Really? Yeah. It was... Just, wow, you rated it lower than Uncle Dave. Yeah, That's I, shocker. I hated it. There was nothing redeeming about it. Like, 
I no. try to look. I mean, I don't go to a one unless there's something I can't get on board with. And like I said, my first note was clearly this match wasn't about these two. No, not I mean, at all. I mean, they made that, that painfully that took obvious. Away for, for me, for a, like a, that took a huge chunk of it away for me. I was like, yeah. why, why? Why should I care about this match? That's right. something I, I like learned when watching on wrestling, like when listening to, to Bischoff. Like, why do I care about this? Tell me why. Yeah, and I don't. It didn't care about this. I, this was clearly building up for not only Zeus and Hogan, but also just Survivor Series as a whole. This whole well, yeah, show. and it's building up to Jake stealing the uh, million dollar title and putting it in the bag with Damien too, which I thought was really good stuff. But which would lead to the turning of the Big Boss Man. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you know, again, you know, it, this is a transition show, right? And it, all it, around I mean, this, and this, this is gonna be a whole, theme you'll hear in a couple matches too. But yeah, <sighs> and this whole show is a big commercial for other things. Oh, well, we're which, getting to that. Know, we're getting to that too. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's that's that's all it is is a giant commercial. So and I I mean that's been admitted by Bruce Pritchard and others. That it's like hey, and and I will say this in their defense, they're on the they're on what uh, what channel were they on? CBS, CN, NBC, NBC, NBC. They were on NBC in front of a huge crowd. I mean, like I said, a nine point five rating. Holy crap! Like, I look, I don't want to take it away from it, you know, but I still think a lot of people tuned in thinking they were going to see Saturday Night Live. And uh, it they didn't. Um, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not completely discounting that, but I'm I mean, there saying, was like, just I'm a not, huge, maybe like a point. I'm gonna say like, you know, maybe it was like an eight. The other one was the, whatever, but you know. Well, Saturday Night's main event had a uh, a uh, reputation at this point for you know having some cool stuff on it, besides just being a giant commercial. So, I, but it was a giant commercial for building up I, for next month's pay per view. I, I don't want to jump to the way end, but I'm just going to say what I was going to say to close the show because I think it applies here. I said clearly, Saturday Night's Main Event was losing steam with all the programming going on now, especially amongst three companies because the AWA still had a weekly show too. So, oh God, you, know, you have the NWA, the AWA, and then WWE. I'm like, I, clearly, Saturday Night's Main Event was losing steam big time. And this show was very evident yeah. to me. Right. And I mean, just some of the matches, I was just kind of like, eh. I, nothing groundbreaking took place at this show. This was literally a commercial for the next month's pay-per-view, which, I mean, if you look back, this was kind of... <laughs> well, now, is, you're, now you're jumping ahead to the next match, that was, or match after next. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this was, I mean, this was a show kind of like Clash of the Champions was used to build up. I, I mean, there We've covered one. There was literally a commercial for Wrestle War '89. Yeah. So that's, that's all it was. There was nothing groundbreaking. I mean, there which, was a great match. Which you, you have show, to but... you have to respect because you know this is on. You know, I mean, cable free TV, whatever. It's on your TV though. You know, cable yeah. for Clash of Champions. So you know, of course, they're going to push the thing where you're putting in extra money. Right. So and, I, and I, I get it. Of, but... Well, and Clash of the Champions was on the Superstation, where you know, like across the, the country. That everybody could watch it, just like this was on NBC across the country. Anybody, you didn't even have to have cable or anything like that. Yeah, which, I was gonna say the big difference with this is you didn't need cable. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, anybody out there uh, who may not have been alive at the time or doesn't remember or whatever, cable wasn't like everybody had it in '89. So the, I mean, WWF was on the USA Network, I believe. With uh, were they with Superstars Wrestling and the Wrestling Challenge and all that? I think that was, that was USA on Network. Yeah, all on USA. Yeah, um, and USA Network was... I think this is the only thing on network TV, actually, is the show. Right. 
but the, but USA Network at the time was big, but it was big in cable, and cable wasn't huge at the time. So it. Oh, also, I think that USA. I don't. I don't quote me on this. I feel like it might have been a newer station too. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like an established. Like, oh, you know, a, you know, it's. A, I can't think of the name of it now. You know, the word I'm trying to think of, but it wasn't around forever. Heritage, like it wasn't a heritage station. Yeah. But Superstation the, evolved from something else, I believe. So, yeah, I think so. It was just—I mean, it was just the Turner Network. Period. It was all part of the same family. So, after the match, though, Hogan and Zeus face off. But DiBiase nails Hogan, throws the referee out of the ring, and Zeus cr- uh, cranks Hogan's neck twice. For those of you that want, I, like, I didn't know Zeus did this because, like I said, I didn't watch a lot of WWF in '89. Uh, like, in retrospect, but they redid this thing with the giant. And Hogan in 1995. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? I do. Yeah. Uh, DiBiase... I think Shivani uh, acted like he snapped his neck and Hogan was like legit dead. Yeah, he did. And Hogan played dead. Uh, not, but uh, yeah, it was uh, Skivone. <laughs> God. To anybody yeah. watched AEW and Jericho's on commentary, you get that. <laughs> yes. But DiBiase <laughs> locks a million dollar dream after this on Hogan and just when he's about ready to pass out. Jake Roberts runs back to the ring with Damien. The heels take a powder, and Real American plays because uh, I don't think Hogan posed, but I mean, he maybe he posed for the live crowd, but I don't know. They they cut away. <sighs> but here's this man. We get a flashback footage of SummerSlam where Rowdy Roddy Piper mooned Rick Rude, which apparently really pissed off Rick Rude. I, Did he moon him or was he wearing tights? I forget. No, he pulled up his kilt and he had his underpants pulled down, showed his bare ass. Mass. Okay, I get why you could be like, ew, gross, like, what the hell, and that's insulting or whatever, but seriously, the whole buildup of this feud was he mooned Rick Rude? Well, Rick Rude's a ladies' man, he's almost a guy ass. I guess. And this, I guess that they didn't show it, but apparently that distraction led to Rude being beaten for the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam? Against Ultimate Warrior, yeah. Okay, uh, weird way to distract somebody, but whatever. Uh, what's under a Scotman, Scotsman's kilt? Apparently a bare ass. Uh, on a uh, sep- <laughs> on a September 9th show, they didn't say what the show was, on the set of the Brother Love show, Rick Rude threw mouthwash in the face of Piper and then hit the Rude Awakening on the set, and then he beat him up with a podium. So, God, man, I yeah. forgot how much I hated Rick Rude when I was a kid, honestly. Why you you so you were one of those disgusting sweat hogs that he always talked about? Yeah. <laughs> Some sweat hog kids, you know, <laughs> we all know them. <laughs> Jesse Ventura is backstage with Bobby Heenan and Haku. Bless you. Uh, <laughs> both men Sorry Who said I that Piper. Yeah. That's right. Both men are in high spirits and Heenan says that the Heenan family will make Piper pay for costing them the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam and he said, Tonight's gonna be fun. We're gonna have fun out there tonight. He was wrong for many reasons, but he was he was definitely wrong. Yeah, Gene, I mean, I'm not going to say it was... Uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> well, Mean Gene Okerlund is backstage interviewing Rowdy Roddy Piper. <sighs> Look, I am a huge Piper Mark, but this promo made absolutely no sense, and he made weird references that meant absolutely nothing. He, I, com- I felt like it was like a race thing. I feel like that was his shtick back in the day. It was like, I mean, some of it was... Uh, or race related and making fun of Haku's looks, Bro. but I, I that was about it. I, I just he and I mean the funniest thing in the whole promo was him every, every time he said, "Well, he's, you're facing Haku," and he's like, "Bless you." 
that's just, that was the only thing that popped me because he was saying something about the Heenan family. Oh, you know, there's an Adams family, and then he clicked. I'm like, what? Does not even make sense? Woman, by the way, in the group, by the way, I just yeah, I know. But it's just it. It's not even. It wasn't even clever. The whole interview was weird. And then he says he's gonna howl at the moon. I, what the hell was this? <laughs> this is some of the worst crap I've ever seen Piper do ever, and I'm including the race stuff. This was just well, horrible. It's he's pretty. He's pretty close to Peyton have his body black. Oh being God! A thing so. Look, that was very offensive and terrible, but at least it made sense, sort of. This just, like, I was like, dude, I know, like, I don't think Piper did drugs. All right, on to the match. Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Haku with Bobby the Brain Heenan in his corner. This match went for just three minutes and two seconds. Piper three minutes off- too long. <laughs> wow. Uh, Piper starts off the match hot after Haku jumps in before the bell. Hot Rod comes after him with a flurry of punches and even does a spinning back fist, which kind of shocked me. Piper goes for Heenan at one point, but Haku saves his manager, and then Haku misses a flying headbutt later on, and that's about it for him. Oddly enough, Roddy Piper wins with a belly-to-belly suplex and gets a three count. Uncle Dave says that this was nothing special, gives it a star and a half. I gave it two stars to be kind. What say you? I gave it one. Another boring match. I felt like it was kept really short because it was like Piper's first big match back. Yeah, I don't know, man. I it just the hell? also it seemed to me like the Piper and Rude feed was more on the mind of everybody. Yeah, well, I just my thing was how come nobody can win with their finisher tonight? Yeah, all right, save the finisher for the big shows, pal. This one you got to win with a small pack. Hogan won with a small freaking package. Like what the hell? And then Piper, Piper did Magnum TA's finisher. Hey, whatever works. Mean Gene Okerlund is backstage with Ted DiBiase and Zeus again. DiBiase goes off about Jake Roberts, saying that it's his fault DiBiase isn't the WWF champion right now. He then says last time he injured uh, Jake Roberts, it wasn't good enough, and he's going to finish the job soon. Zeus shouts and says that come Thanksgiving, Hulk Hogan won't have nothing to be thankful for. And then he pounds his chest and makes noise. Yep, because that's what he does. (laughs) You have an actor who can't wrestle. And literally, the only thing he's good for is to learn lines and recite them. But you don't have him say a whole lot. I don't know. I don't get it. <sighs> but less is more. Yeah. But we have a commercial break to split up the Mean Gene segments. And we come back with Mean Gene, who's standing with Rick Martell and Slick. Martell says that his issue with Santana will never be over. And he's going to show that he was the one who carried Strike Force. He says it'll <laughs> never be over, but. If I recall, this, I mean, this issue is dead here within a couple months, isn't it? I They match them up a bunch of times going forward. No, okay. I, there, ju- so. I just remember, was that WrestleMania 7 where he had the blindfold match with Jake? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing at 6. I you wrestle Coco remember. Beware. Oh, well, there you go. But either way, uh, we then go to uh, Mean Gene Okerlund again with Tito Santana. Got to get as much Mean Gene on the show as possible. Earn uh, that check. Hell yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny if, like, they just had different sets all over the arena and Mean Gene was just, like, booking it. And he's, like, out of breath during the interview. He's like, what the hell do you have to say? <laughs> Tito doesn't really have much to say. He just talks about being angry that he was left alone in the ring at WrestleMania 5 by his former partner, Rick Martell. And then as he's walking away, uh, <laughs> like, in the distance, you hear, Arriba! It's like, uh, gotta get that in. He almost forgot. 
blasphemy. But, but this match is, I'm not even joking, it's the best match on the card, but that's what's that really saying. It's Rick Martel with Slick. He's taking on Tito Santana. This match went for 9 minutes, 41 seconds, the longest match on the freaking card. Rick Martel came out to Slick's theme song because he didn't have his own at the time. He's accompanied by the Big Boss uh, Man. That was my first thing. Like, wow, seeing him enter the Jive Soul Bro was weird. <laughs> yeah, it, I was like, because when the music hit, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> later on, Rick Martel would get his own theme, and it sounds like the uh, the the beginning of ba- what would become Balvinus's theme. If you don't believe me, go listen to it. Wasn't his like a saxophone and his a harp? Nah, he, well, his sounds more like it, almost like the 16-bit version, like on a on one of those old Super Nintendo games of Balvinus's theme, and kind of like sped up. I don't know. You'd have to go hear it. Uh, I'm, I'm not really. seeing that correlation at all, honestly. But well, I, I can't remember. Either way, Big Boss Man, Akeem the African Dream, Jimmy Hart, and Honky Tonk Man accompanied him to the ring. That is a Motley crew. Yeah, that's a that's a gang, dude. <laughs> Santana comes to the ring solo, but then motions for others to come out to the back or from the back. And by God, here to make the save to be the hero, it's the Red Rooster. Hell yes, asses in seats. It honestly does get better from there. It's like bring out the worst first. It's just like. Red Rooster, Bruce Barber Beefcake, and then finally, Dusty Rhodes. They all get their own entrances, their own so- themes. Something tells me that Uncle Dave popped for the Red Rooster. I don't know why. Hell yeah. I just love that, like, Tito's like, oh, I got something to fix your little red wagon. Come on out, guys. And the first thing he hears, that's <laughs> <laughs> like, by God, it's the Red Rooster. Like, yeah, okay. If it was Terry Taylor, I might have cared a little bit more, but it's the Red Roosters. So uh, uh, Martell jumps Tito before the bell. Tito hits the flying forearm and Slick distracts the referee. Uh, excuse counting. me, it's the, it's the flying jalapeno. Oh my God. Hey, I didn't call it that. Who was uh, that? Uh, the guy who M- Manny Fernandez did that move. I think he actually called it the flying burrito. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even joking. But the heels try to get involved. And the faces get up and do a standoff with them. And everyone has to be cooled down before the match can restart. Slick stops Santana from locking in a figure four. And then Big Boss Man runs in and Dusty Rhodes gets in. There's a huge brawl that breaks out. And the match gets thrown out. Uncle Dave said this was pretty great for a TV match. And the closest that we ever got to a pay-per-view blow-off of the Strike Force feud. Then Tito wore the tights for another three years anyway. Uh, it was one of my notes. I'm like, okay, they've been gone. For, I mean, like, broken up for like six months at this point. He can't get new tights. <laughs> yeah, uh, just I don't know. I, I did find it funny that his tights had a uh, had the logo of a sombrero on them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, according I'm to Bruce, that alone. <laughs> yeah, well, according to Bruce Pritchard, apparently the initial name for Strike Force was going to be Border Patrol, but they decided that might be too controversial. <laughs> What, the, the Mexican and, and the French-Canadian? Yeah. I can't be Border uh, Patrol? I guess not. I like the name Strike it makes, Force. It makes sense. I mean, like, he's on the it Mexican-American does. border. He's on the Canadian... Uh, By the way... I, I also just, get I also get why like they probably want to stay away from that, too, though. Yeah, and apparently at the time, there was, like, a big thing with, like, uh, Border Patrol agents shooting a bunch of people at the border, so they were like, eh, I might want to stay away from that. So... Yeah. Yeah, so this was not not good, bad. But, uh, hey, 
man. At least they got to come out to girls in cars. So, you know, we got that. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave this three and a half stars. I gave it an even three. What say you? I gave it three. I thought it was the best match of the night, too. So Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't see anything real bad with it. It sucks that we didn't get a finish, but, you know, whatever. A couple of my notes, too, for this. Uh, I said this is basically a match remote Survivor Series with a small bit of a revenge aspect being very microscopic. So like, yeah. Just promoting the pay-per-view. And, oh, yeah, they also just broke up, too. Um, right. Yeah, no big no big blow-off for Strike Force. <laughs> it's just like, whatever. Also, I have to point this out. I'm surprised you didn't. I'm, th- this is like, wow, you didn't point this out. Did you notice when they had the Boston Crab and then they redid the reverse, Tito went for the pin and he literally buried his junk in Martel's face <laughs> and teabagged the hell out of him? <laughs> I did, did not notice that. Oh, good Lord. It was like the most blatant one ever. It wasn't like, you know, <laughs> ha ha was close. Dude, his junk was on his freaking chin. <laughs> Tito should be the, uh, should be that lucky or, or uh, Martel, I guess. Yeah, Mark- I was like, I was waiting for you to say this. I'm like, this sounds like right up your alley. You had caught that. I'm like, <laughs> man, this was Halo Three, staying up late at night style, playing with you know little kids from across the nation, teabag your opponent while they call your mother dirty names. <laughs> yeah, and claim that they've had sexual relations with them. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, but- that was. Just, I was like, wow, man. Like I wasn't like looking for it, but the camera was like focused on it, and you can like see. Martel just like looking up, going, "Please let this be over." <laughs> Vince, Vince hits his button to talk to the truck, and he's like, "Zoom in on his junk." <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice, so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Now, back to our program. Now, talk about earning your money again, man. Mean Gene Okerlund is backstage again with Roddy Piper again. You need more of this. Piper is... <laughs> well, incoherent. one's never enough. Yeah. Piper is incoherently rambling about the Heenan family again, not making a lick of sense. Makes another freaking Adams family reference, and he says that Rick Rude is next is uh, next for him, and he's aiming to take out the entire Heenan family. And then he makes some reference about buzzards, and tries to get serious, and it just fell flat for me. I don't know. I was kind of <sighs> tuned out. Like God, I want to hear another one. Yeah. But then Mean Gene is backstage with the air humping bushwhackers. God dang it. Who say that they're going to chew up the Rougeos and spit them out. They then bucks lick... to stand still for two seconds, by the way. <laughs> yeah. They then lick either side of Mean Gene's face and walk off. The funniest part of the whole thing was Mean Gene saying, on the lips, and I may become emotionally involved. <laughs> uh, also, I want to point out, by the way, we use the he's earning his money line too quickly. <laughs> yeah, that. My God, just disgusting. And, you know, they used to do that to kids when they were coming down the aisle back in the day. You could yeah. never, ever lick a child in 2020 and it just be. Oh, OK, hold on, hold back. on, hold on. They didn't lick children, to be fair. Go back and watch it. They were putting their cheek to their head. I they never they licked their they face. They never licked a child. No, that was oh. something Bruce Pritchard said because oh, Conrad okay. called that out, too. He goes, no, no, they they did it to like the announcers and stuff. But the kids, 
they just rub their cheek on their head. Still gross. <laughs> just well, I'm not defending. It. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, I, it is. It is better, but still gross. God, but this match, man, how do you close a show but with the Bushwhackers and the effing Rougeau brothers? All right, real quick. Uh, I was like saying the same thing, and then I remember what Pritchard said. So they strategically do this, but to still, make you fall asleep. I don't know, but he, remember he said they strategically do this. They they put um, Hogan on early, or the big stuff on early. Yeah. Uh, well, this crap, man. It was the Bushwhackers I, versus. Also, honestly, I think that Martell and, and Tito should have closed the show. Yes, it should have. It was a main event worthy match, and it built up for the pay per view. But alas, we get this. <laughs> it was Bushwhacker Luke and Bushwhacker Butch taking on the fabulous Rougeos of Jacques and Raymond with Jimmy Hart in their corner. This only went for three minutes fifteen seconds. I'm Thank pretty God. sure. I'm pretty sure the match only went for about forty seconds. Yeah. Well, the Fabulous Rougeos are doing their All-American Boys gimmick here, waving tiny American flags and lip-syncing their song. Because hell yes. The Bushwhackers jump the Rougeos before the bell and chase them out of the ring. They then chase Jimmy Hart around the ring, yanking off his jacket, <sighs> and then pulling off his pants to reveal that he's wearing boxers with a fleur-de-lis all over them. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, I was even laughing at, like, how he pulls pants off. Not even what he was wearing. He's like, wow, the whole thing. It's like, this is a thing. How many times How many times did they do a similar spot in the late 80s? Pull like, off the, I feel the like heel manager's the, pants. And it was always Jimmy Hart, though. They did it to, to uh, Brother Love once. Remember <laughs> WrestleMania? Well, no, you wouldn't remember that, because for some reason they cut it out of the network. But, yeah. <laughs> no, they put it back in. I remember the last time I watched it, I was like, holy crap, they left it in. Wow, they must have just did that then, because... Conrad was complaining about that to Pritchard. He goes, why the hell did they cut that off? Did you make him do that? Did you cry? <laughs> but yeah, no, that yeah, I remember that too. But yeah, no, I, that's why I was surprised that it was back on. I was like, oh, well, the crap, it's it's back on it. I mean, not that I was dying to see, you know, Bruce Pritchard run away in his tiny little red panties, but <laughs> oh my gosh. But after the boxers were revealed, Jimmy Hart runs to the back in embarrassment. This match absolutely sucks, but at least it's short. The Bushwhackers hit the battering ram on Ramon, followed by the double gut buster for the win. Again, they couldn't win with their finisher. I don't know if they really had a definitive finisher. I, I, I just assumed that double gut buster was a finisher. Maybe it is. I don't know. But then they lick each other. Yuck. Uncle Dave said that the biggest high spot of this match were the Rougeos lip syncing their entrance music. <laughs> he gave it a half a star. I gave it one. Uh, Let's say yeah. you. Easily a one. Explain that spot to me, by the way, where Jacques, like, he does the back roll off of one of their, their backs, lands on his feet, and then he's like, ah, and he, like, rubs his knees. Like, <laughs> that I don't know. Yeah, what the at hell least Martell, At least when Mar Rick Martell used to do something like that, he would get up and do jumping jacks, so. Yeah, I, it's just. This I, I say that, by the way, because I, I just assume at this point it's a Montreal thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> the, the patented RVD spot that he did in, like, every match. But to close the show, Mean Gene Okerlund is backstage with Hulk Hogan, who's trying to sell his neck. He says that Zeus when Zeus twisted his neck, he heard the snap, crackle, pop. And he said, quote, thank God for living by the three demandments. <laughs> I, is that what he called it? Like, we did the, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and yeah. drink your milk? He didn't oh, okay. really call it the three, though. He said, the, remember the demandments. and Yeah, well. Vitamins. There's actually like four. Prayers, vitamins. Uh, 
drink your milk, be mm-hmm. true to yourself and true and, to your country. Even believe in Hulkamania was the last one, though. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he concludes by hyping up their match at Survivor Series. Like we said, this was a giant commercial. Giant so, mess. <laughs> yes. But that's the end of the show, man. Yeah, mercifully. We'll return after these messages. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Now, back to our program. The final ratings. Let's get to them. IMDB gave this show a 6.9 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it a 4.56 out of 10. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10 for nostalgic purposes, I guess. What say you? I said D minus. Mm, so that would have been uh, seven. I think it was like a six. I hated it. Yeah, this is kind of, it's kind of sucks. Martell and Tito was good. I mean, yes. I like that. That uh, was literally it. Seeing the opening package though, like was nostalgic. And then like that coordination of the Macho Man, which is like, I don't know if you know, a real, you probably do, but. It's become like a running meme, like a gif <laughs> of him what sitting in the, the part where Macho Man's sitting in the in the on the throne and like shaking his head. Yes, uh, become like a, I've noticed it lately. It's become a gif. So, I'm like, huh. oh, cool. Now I see where it originated because you know when you see gifs like like wrestling ones. Anyways, like, where did that come from? So that was cool. <laughs> well, the again, next... you can clearly see I'm just fishing for reasons to appreciate a show. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, the next Saturday night main event would get a little better. It drew a bit worse of a rating because uh, this one, like I said, was a 9.5. The next one that would air on November 25th of the same year, that one drew an 8.7. So the and that rating was dropped post, a bit. That was post-Survivor Series, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, it was, it was uh, no, like I said, November 25th, 1989, the opening match was for the Intercontinental title. It was the Ultimate Warrior defending the championship against Andre the Giant. And then the next match, though, I feel like these guys just swapped opponents because the Genius defeated Hulk Hogan in a WWF World Heavyweight Championship match via countout. So I do a favor for Randy's brother. <laughs> yeah. Dusty Rhodes took on the big boss man. Mr. Perfect defeated uh, the Red Rooster. And the Rockers defeated the Brain Busters. So this was this was like Mr. one of the last Mr. Last Perfect matches. and the Red Rooster. If the story's correct, that was supposed to be flopped or flip flopped, right? They're supposed to be <laughs> According to Terry Taylor, that was flip flopped. According to nobody else, that was flip flopped. Yeah. So but check this out. The Rockers defeated the Brainbusters in a two out of three falls match that only goes for seven and a half minutes. This actually, I believe, was recorded before the Survivor Series, which it I was. don't understand. So clearly, because yeah. that the Survivor Series totally was kicked out, basically, for Snort and Coke. And then um, Bobby Heenan replaces him very last minute because the opening of the show it has Tully Blanchard on the on the graphic. And then he ends up not wrestling. So, yeah. Yeah, this was filmed on October 31st, 1989. And then it, I, I don't so it, it So they, they recorded it on Halloween and aired it right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. God, not even Impact is that far out. Well, that's what I was getting at with the filming date for this one, where it was filmed, like, 
wow, damn near a month before they aired it. I don't know. No, I, I got that. I just thought it was funny because you were like all over the date. <laughs> yeah. Well, what got me about it was I like I don't know. I always thought that Saturday Night's main event was live. I had no idea that it was preempted or pre-recorded, whatever. Saturday Night Live or, or Saturday Saturday Night's main event. I thought it was I thought it was live, but oh I no, didn't. there were times where we come on right after Saturday Night Live at like midnight. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, this was weird. Uh, I guess when they did the main event, not Saturday Night's main event, but the main event, that was live from what I heard. So Yeah, that one was always on a Friday, so that makes more sense. Yeah, but this one was not live, ever. Uh, so, I don't know. I found that out. But yeah, so that was, that's uh that, man. Next week, we've got something extra special for you, if that's what you want to call it. On September liberal 16th, again. <laughs> on September sixteenth, we're covering the UWF Blackjack Brawl nineteen ninety four. I have I, not watched it yet, um, but you've given me some high hopes. Hell yeah, I've watched it already uh, completely. I did all my notes and everything in anticipation for this show because God, I can't wait. It. Uh, How low is your bar for anticipation? Uh, I'm gonna let that one go, but. <laughs> But this, uh, yeah, this show, man, I, I just, I wanted to see it because I wanted to see if it was really that bad. And by God, it just, whoo, the funniest thing on the whole show was they're like, you know, ever the optimists here calling it Blackjack Brawl 1 and talking about, well, check your local listings for the next Blackjack Brawl, which never happened. Check your local listings. I would assume it'd be a year away. Yeah, I, I, I would assume uh, it just, uh, I don't know, but there were a lot of things on the show to really dig into and talk about, and the optimism on the show from everybody involved was uh, admirable, I guess, but man, this this was a stinker of a show in every possible conceivable way. So suddenly Herb Abrams throwing coke doesn't look so bad. Maybe he was doing it for a reason. He looked drunk as all hell during this whole show. Speculation was he was drunk throughout this whole show. And if I were him, seeing that just walking into that building and seeing that crowd, I would have started drinking early too. So <laughs> wow! It was just it, it was really bad. And we've pumped up before. Go check out his episode of uh, from this last season of Dark Side of the Ring. It was called Cocaine and Cowboy Boots. I might say watch it first before listening to this. Yeah, some context. Yeah, and we're not going to dive deep into all things Herb Abrams because if you want a whole thing on Herb Abrams. We we will talk about him obviously, but there's there's so much granular detail to get into. Uh, just go check out that show and then listen to the podcast where we take a deep deep dive into the show itself. It was on the Sports Network. If you want to watch the whole thing, it's on YouTube. Just look up UWF. Black we can, Brawl we can legally say that, right? If it's on YouTube, since it's yeah, okay, well, yeah, it's not. I mean, who the hell who the hell would claim ownership of that? <laughs> like, come on. That's like the one thing not on the WWE Network that Vince doesn't want. Yeah, he's like, wait, uh, I, I don't own what? Ah, you can keep it. <laughs> it's fine. He he even takes in all the all the crap from, you know, AWA's dying years where they literally had a green screen crowd. So this is just, yeah, he's letting it go. But that was that is uh, next week on September 16th, September 23rd. We are going to cover the Monday Night Raw from September of uh, 1997, 
where they were in Madison Square Garden and Stone Cold Steve Austin stunned Mr. McMahon for the first time and he flopped like a fish that had just been electrocuted. So, And you can actually, like, if you close your eyes and watch it, you can actually see them digging WCW's grave with this moment. My gosh. Yeah, it's it's starting. WCW would still be riding high for quite a while longer, but this well, was yeah, you had brought yeah. up the genesis of it. Clearly, they're yeah. just, like, they're prepping the grave. Yes. The corpse is not there yet, but it's coming. Yeah, because this is the first where they where they really start the McMahon Austin thing, like they really get it going. And then after this, I mean what snaps the eighty four week or excuse me, eighty three week run of WCW Nitro on top is McMahon versus Austin in the main event of Monday Night Raw. And that's a cameo from Dude Larry Nitro. Hell yeah. So that is what is coming up there. And then I did my scheduling wrong. Uh, I I skipped a week in September. You and I are still trying to decide what is going to be on September thirtieth because there are oh, five I thought we weeks. Agreed on, I thought we agreed on that um, that war games with the Shockmaster. Oh my god! Uh, we still have to talk about it. <laughs> September thirtieth. We are covering a. War I have games. an idea. We'll talk about it off air. I have an idea. Okay. Okay. I do want to. I do want to cover a fall brawl, but I want to. I want to hear uh, Greg's idea. Just keep. Keep uh, listening. Keep in touch. Uh, you know, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Rest. Or God dang it, that's our old. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at Main Event underscore Marks, and then on Facebook, it's Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod. And you can email us at Main Event Marks Pod at gmail.com. And also check us out on YouTube. Just search for the Main Event Marks. We are on there. Every show gets posted on there instantly. Love you. Hell yeah. Uh, every show gets posted on there instantly. We also have great bonus content and clips from each show each week. So little bite-sized snippets from each show if you want a, a taste to see if you, you know, sample it, see if you want to want the whole meal, brother. But, what the uh, hell? <laughs> I don't know. But next week, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming at you. UWF Blackjack Brawl 1994. This show will be something. It'll be historic, I'll say that. The greatest night in the history of our great sport. Yeah, I'm going to watch this crap just for you guys. Hell yeah. And we will see you all next week, later on. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. 